Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. Quiet. Hello, everyone. Welcome to I Don't Know About That, silent podcast coverage of U.S. Survivor. Today, we'll be covering episode 12 of Survivor 43, Telenovela. I am unbelievably excited to bring back a gentleman and a scholar to once again recap the penultimate episode of this season. Class is back in session with the one and only Hartley Jaffeen. Hello, hello. Thank you so much, Gia. Oh, I'm so excited to have you back, Hartley. It's always good to have you on the podcast and also just to talk outside of the podcast realm already because I think we are both... We both come from academic careers while you're a professor and I work in events, but I also did do the academia for a while with grad school and everything. So it's just really nice to talk to you about Survivor, not just in a like fan to fan, but also uh, in terms of like a bigger conversation that we can have around how the social world is implemented into Survivor, how outside influences influence the game. And it's just great to have you back here. Well, it's so exciting to be back. And exactly what you're saying, this has been a really good season. I think mm-hmm. all of the 40s have been a really good era of talking about the social world and the the real world outside of the game of Survivor. Yes. And I, I do want to ask you, there's a couple things I want to ask you before <laughs> we actually go into the episode. But first, let's just, since you've already talked about it a little bit, what do you think of Survivor 43 so far? Do you have any favorites? We are about to go right into the finale. So of the people that are left, do you have any hints about who you think will win? So I think pre-game, after episode one, I put my money on Owen. So I'm really glad to see that Mm -hmm. Owen's still kicking around um, and is heading into the finale. Based on pure gameplay to this point, though, I think Jesse is the player to beat. He has played mm-hmm. a really strong game, and the episode that we're about to talk about really solidified the strength of his his gameplay. Oh, yeah. And oh, we'll get into the Jesse <laughs> of it all, because that, like mind-blowing from start to finish this episode with Jesse's gameplay. But really, like, has Jesse had a bad episode, really? Like, he has been phenomenal all the way through, always on the right side of the vote or in the know about what's happening during the tribal councils. And while he definitely hasn't had an easy road with some of his difficulties separating game from... like the personal aspects of the game uh, we have seen many times are hard for him. I am very excited to talk about Jesse as a whole. I will say, I feel like going into the season, the three favorites that I heard about are like the ones that were most often to be drafted first would be Owen, Carla, and Jesse. I feel like those were the big three that kept coming up. And 
it's kind of mind boggling, but also very exciting that they have all lived up to the hype and that they're about to all make it into the finale. I'll bet in very different roads to getting there and also no shade onto Cassidy or Gabler too. I have really enjoyed both of them this season and I'm also very thrilled to see them in the finale as well. Yeah, we have five very different journeys to the final five and they, they oh, yeah. all they all have a different story. They all I can imagine each of them making a different case in the final three and I don't see a lot of overlap between any of the five at least from what I'm seeing so far. Yes. And I wish, and this is kind of just, this is just me kind of repeating some of the same concerns that I have had, but this is why I am so sick of so many advantages because while people that watch the show regularly and are keeping up with the interviews outside of the game, people that analyze this show for fun, like this is kind of our bread and butter at this time. It's like, we have a good idea about what, their paths are to the end but I really wish that the show would be spending more time on their personal journeys because I feel like there have been a couple times where and this is something about a lot of the new school seasons I would say that we're told something but we aren't giving any context that led up to that moment like I've been using the example of Erica and Heather who ended up being the final two women in Survivor 41 with one of them ending up winning but we only heard about their close relationship with each other like well into the merge and now we kind of got that a couple times here as well with I I know that you know Carla and Cassidy is another dynamic that we'll talk about this episode but like somewhere in between the double tribal and after that Jesse mentioned that him and Owen have a really strong bond but we don't really see any of that and that definitely plays into what happens into this episode too. Absolutely. There's a lot that they are leaving out and that makes it harder for us. I guess that's a good thing. I guess that way we can't predict too much, but I agree with you. I wish they would show us more a bit about those relationships because that is, that is where Survivor really comes alive when you see the relationships being built and the relationships being kind of pulled apart. Yeah, but I was very excited that we did get a reward challenge again this episode. I miss the reward challenges and I... I just love when they bring them back. I wish they would bring back some of the like kookier reward challenges. Like bring me back a like build your shelter challenge or Casa de Charmin. I can't, I'll never get over Casa de Charmin. It's big Tom in the toilet on his head. Yes. Like give up, give them alcohol and like a private area as the reward and just see what happens, you know, or something to that dynamic. I love when they do the overnight trips and we get to see people party. Like it would just be great to see all of that. And I, I miss those human moments with the, with the players, because obviously there is a strategic element into winning a reward and picking people to go on the reward, which wasn't really the issue that came up in this episode, but we did see it in, Noelle's boot but uh you know but it's also just fun to see people kind of step outside of the game for a little bit and enjoy themselves on the rewards and I think that's something that they really miss when they spend so much time on adding more twists and turns to a season that honestly I think this cast is really good and we didn't need advantages for them to make an exciting season or we certainly didn't need as many advantages as they threw around here. 
Absolutely. And as we'll probably talk about in a moment, it's interesting to see a reward at this late in the game, what those calories do to a player and how they can enhance or how they can really confuse or get people to be overconfident. Yes. Yes. And okay. But before we talk about this episode, I am dying to know because the last time we talked, we were right before Survivor 42 finale. It's the same episode, the penultimate episode going from final six to final five. That was also a very big episode where Omer was blindsided um, and a lot of the responsibility was uh, given to Marianne for that move. And this is when, now Marianne hadn't won yet and we didn't have, any indication about exactly who would win, but I think we were both leaning towards a Marianne win. And also during that time, your course, they were teaching David versus Goliath at the time as the main season that they were focusing on in your class. Since all of that has happened, Marianne is the winner of Survivor 42. She won and she won by a very large margin. Yes, yes. She she is, was it McGill you said? McMaster. 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 Yeah. Okay, sorry. My friend went to McGill, so I get the two mixed up at some point. <laughs> like Canadian colleges that start with M. It's like, it's very hard to remember. But yeah, so McMaster University. uh, So an alum from your university had grad, um, she graduated before the course was offered, but the, she is now a survivor winner, not just player, a winner, and also a very well-loved winner. I need to know how, and we already talked about it a little bit, but I think this is a great conversation to have. And for the people that I know we're not the only two that loved putting Survivor into academia, but how has Marianne's win shaped your course? And what was, what was the reaction to this win? So it was, I mean, it was exciting for us. And right before the finale, I texted Jen Nash, who I co-teach the course with, and we kind of said, hey, could Marianne actually win this thing? Uh, So we were so ecstatic when she took home the crown. And so immediately when she won, we decided this fall, we were going to do season 42. Farewell, David versus Goliath. And welcome season 42 to our course. And one of the things that we did, based on our conversation that we shared this time last season, is we decided to look at season 42 and bring in a little bit of season four as well to compare the Sepia's win 20 years ago to Marianne's win in 42. So the course really aligned nicely, you know, looking at our, our the map of our week to week topic uh, explorations, the represent, representation of race class happened to fall timeline wise on the Drea Marianne episode where they both play their idols. So just there was a lot of harmony of, oh, the topic that we want to talk about lines up perfectly with the episode that week and the episode on Game theory aligned perfectly with the Lindsay do or die challenge. So there were a lot of really nice opportunities to link some of the course topics to season 42 really seamlessly. What was really exciting and unexpected was at the beginning of the course, we told the class, we're going to be doing season 42. There is a McMaster grad on the season, but we weren't sure if people knew the outcome. And so we asked the class, do people know the outcome of season 42? And some people said, yep, I know the outcome. I won't say anything. And some people said, I have no idea what the outcome is. And there's no way the McMaster grad won because we would have heard about it. 
Uh, so they were completely in the dark. So it was really fun to watch them watch the show because they were completely blindsided by a Marianne win. Because after episode one, a bunch of them thought, oh, she's not she's not lasting long. Uh, and truly, the, one of the greatest joys of the course was Jen and I got to blindside the class within our second in our penultimate class. Marianne graciously joined uh, our class. <laughs> So, oh, that's amazing. It was awesome because I, I stepped out of class during, like, I left the class during the, just before the break. And when I came back in, she was in the hall and all the students said to me, wait a minute, you left class. You never leave class. What's going on? Who's out there? And I said, no, like, no one's out there. Let's, let's get back to the, let's get back to our topic. Uh, and then open the door. And then she came in and just, it was, it was a blind side from us to them. Oh my god. To meet Marianne for one thing is already just the top of my survivor to-do list. But also to take a class on it and to be able to see an alum from your college actually not just make it to the end, not just go far, but win. And I just love Marianne's journey too. Like go looking back on her season, I just love her win. I love her takes on her winning conditions, just the awareness that she has through the game, even though sometimes she did admit that she was an emotional player. Sometimes she was left out of votes, but those are the types of winners that I just love to see. Like, you know, I'm a big Earl Cole fan and he's like one of the closest to playing a perfect game as well. So that is someone that like, obviously I hold in a very high regard, but I also love the Sandra wins, the Natalie Anderson revenge tour, the, you know, like the people, the Natalie whites that we don't expect them to win. And then they come out of the woodwork winning. Like those are the people that I am also just very excited to see. And I'm very happy that we have that here and that, you know, like this is another, I wouldn't say imperfect winner, but someone that had a lot of twists and turns that went to their win. And now because of the season that they were on and the conversations that we were having about that season, not just with Marianne, but with the cast as a whole, that we're able to translate that into a course that you were already doing is pretty awesome. It was, it was just, it was so perfect. And I don't know how it's going to, it's going to be tough to beat next fall. Uh, Cause we've, we've got to have a really high bar to clear now. I know I have to see, ugh, I don't think they have any Canadians on 44 as well, but yeah, I don't think so. But you know, if they bring them back for survivor 45 and 46, uh, you know, I feel like they, you know, just because the Canadians won doesn't mean they're done for, you know, we should be able to bring them back. I hope so. I hope to see a few more Canadian faces on our screens. I think that was also a bit of a spoiler for some people who, you know, the cast gets leaked early for those of us that follow Inside Survivor coverage. I am very happy to write from there. So you get to meet the cast and like where they're from fairly early, but we don't really know anything about them and we don't really know too much about, you know, whether they're super fan. I think a lot of people recognized Owen in the initial cast leaks. Um, but it was very interesting to see, you know, just going from the cast photo to 
seeing the personalities come to life, but also the fact that we went from multiple Canadians. I think they had, did they have three in 42? I know it was Omer, Drea, and Marianne, but did they have any more? No, I think that was just those three. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was Erica and someone else for 41. I think there were two people, but I can't remember who the second person was. But either way, I, I was very sad that they took away, like, we had two Canadian winners in a row, and then they took away the Canadians for 43 and 44. But when you were looking at it, and the 43 and 44 cast started getting leaked, I was like, oh, a Canadian probably wins. And at that point, <laughs> there was still, you know, when those casts were getting leaked, it was, I think, Drea, Omar, and Marianne were all still in the game so and they all seem to have very strong edits so their winning possibilities were you know it seemed like a very good chance just based on the games that we saw from them that yeah they could probably win well i mean again we'll see i i I could be wrong but i think 44 has a student from saskatoon saskatchewan i think Ooh, wait so there might be might they be a just, West Coast Canadian. Ooh, hold on. Let me see. They just posted the – oh, my God. Wait. Hold on. There we go. Uh, they just posted the tribe divisions today. So maybe – they might be living in – oh, yeah. Oh, Kane Frit, Fritzler. I'm sorry, Kane, if you're listening to this, and which I'm sure he is. And Obviously realize that i'm sorry if i messed up your name but yeah okay so we do have one one yeah, Canadian. He's, he's our hope he's our hope this he's your hope yeah you better not mess it up kane or don't be a jerk i will just say unfortunately for kane while i do believe in canadian supremacy in survivor unfortunately i just can't root for him when we have someone named yam yam on the cast and from san juan puerto rico i'm just i'm sorry like that that that's all i need to know i don't that that's my favorite player for the season at this point you've picked your winner right here i've already picked the winner to be fair i did pick marianne from the cast leaks of survivor 42 as well so i was like that's that's my girl that's who's gonna win and while it was kind of a joke at the beginning, not because I didn't think Marianne would win, but I always just pick someone that seems nice and hope that they do well. But in Marianne's case, she just has a winner's smile. What can I say? Who was your 43 leaking kind of winner pick from this season? Oh, uh, okay. So this was hard because I know because people were very excited about um Owen. So I feel like even when the cast was first leaked, because a lot of the Survivor fandom knows about, knows Owen because he was also very involved in the Survivor community. And he was like, seemed to be a really well liked person. Like people were very excited to see them. So that does kind of not taint it, but that does kind of like blur the judgment a little bit because you already see someone and you know that that person has a lot of hype. But I don't always go for the person with a lot of hype right away. I think I was a big, I'm still a big Dwight fan, but I think he he was someone that I was excited for. And I'm trying to see who else there was. Um, Oh, you know what? Uh, Let me look. I feel like this. Dwight too trusting of his ally, Jesse. 
I know. Well, that just seems everyone trusts Jesse. Everyone too much. You, can't blame, Jesse. you can't blame Dwight for that. Like that is that's just what's happening now. It's fine. It's fine. And then well, I will say, well, I can't remember who I rooted for in the the 43 cast league. Um just from the the contestant leagues, I will say I was very very excited for Carla as soon as the promo for 43 dropped. That was the moment I was like, she's going to be my first pick in every draft. And then, of course, I, I read cast bios and James mentioned Earl from Fiji. So I had to root for James as well. So those two were people that I was very excited to see play. And I really, I obviously am a Carla truther. She she is a winner in my eyes, whether or not the season decides that she is the winner. To me, she's won. She is an icon, a legend, the moment. But I was also a very big fan of James, and I liked – I wish we got more of him in the edit, but I really enjoyed his game. And him on the Coco Tribe I thought was a very strong player, especially with Carla. So I was very happy with, the, with uh, James as a player as well. Ne- neither of them were – disappointing to me I can respect the times that they you know like how they got voted out someone that was surprisingly very entertaining was Ryan also from the Coco tribe I was a big fan of the Coco tribe in general so I just love everyone on that tribe they were all very entertaining to me but Ryan was just like the type of survivor player I wish we had more of. <laughs> Someone uh, shared with him that I said that we need more himbos on Survivor. So now he was fully aware that I made that comment earlier. <laughs> but Ryan was so entertaining this season to me. And even though, yes, like he, his mistake was coming from my girl Cassidy. Can't do that. I'm sorry. But he was so funny very entertaining and i just wish we got more players like that because i don't need everyone in survivor to be a game bot or be someone that has been a super fan of the show and that's coming from a super fan myself like i don't want everyone in the season to be a super fan i like the having an eclectic mix in there absolutely makes it makes what the if- game that harder to predict Yeah. And sometimes the, you know, sometimes being a super fan, it goes is to the player's detriment because they kind of hype up their experience or base their games too much on particular players. And you, it's very hard to do to try to emulate those players, you know, especially when your circumstances are not going to be the same as those players. And so sometimes the super fan tag can put you at a disadvantage what about you though Hartley I want to know who are your 43 preseason faves I really I didn't know the hype around Owen I didn't realize he was as involved in the community so I liked him just off of the bio and kind of what I was seeing Carla out of the gate really impressed me as a player and I in the early days I was really I didn't expect to like Cody as much as I did but I found his his joyful and playfulness really compelling to watch as television and I really I really kind of watching Jesse I think we've seen echoes and I know we'll talk more about it in a moment but just what happened tonight and we saw that earlier planted with how it was when he was voting up NECA I, I really I could see myself in him in the sense of feeling really bad and really struggling with voting out an ally 
uh, that yeah. you committed to. So I, I think even way back when, I think it was episode three when NECA goes, I felt like, oh, I, I, I get what you're feeling. I can, I can empathize with that feeling. Yeah. Oh, our fallen soldier, Cody, too. It's like, he was a surprise. I keep calling him American Chappies, like even in our cast assessment this week that Christine and I do, I called him American Chappies again. But that that is a compliment. He's like very entertaining, definitely has a strategic side to him, big fan of the water. Like it's just all there. But he was great. I mean, this whole cast is great. I don't, obviously the boot order is tragic, but also I don't find myself disliking anybody in the cast. And that's to their benefit. And I've also had a lot of positive surprises in that cast. I've already talked about Ryan, but I also feel like Sammy is a really fun player this season. Uh, even though she went home early, Lindsay is my pre-jury queen. I was a big fan of her. So, you know, I was waiting. I was a Janine truther. I was like, she's getting her underdog arc. I just know it. But that is neither here nor there. This is still a great cast. And I hope that we do get to see some returnees from this season, even some not obvious ones. I feel like there are some that are definitely going to be in demand high returnees, um, especially if someone like if Jesse or Carla don't win or if neither of them win, I definitely see them being locks to return both of them. Absolutely. And I even think a player like Ellie, kind of an earlier, earlier yes. kind of boot could could make a return. Um, obviously, Noel as a challenge beast could come back. Yes. Yeah. Those are both really great choices, too. I could definitely see them coming back. And especially because Ellie was such a big character in the pre-merge and she just missed the earn the merge spot, like the official merge. It was the merge. But since she missed the official merge spot, I do think that that was like a really that is someone that I think will also be, you know, if they have the opportunity to bring her back, I can definitely see her getting a call. Mm hmm. All right, but then let's get into this episode. It's already half an hour in, but this was this was a lot in a great way. There was so much to discuss in this episode. Now, I personally was a little confused in the previous episode because we were under the impression that Jesse's plan that well, the plan that was accredited to Jesse, but it does seem like other people were in on this idea that they were going to vote out Sammy, but they wanted to have Carla throw a vote to Cassidy to split the votes just in case the shot in the dark worked. But really it was so Carla would have egg on her face essentially and that this would further splinter the relationship between Carla and Cassidy. Well, because now we got an answer here because of Sammy announcing to everyone that he was playing his shot in the dark and Carla knew that she couldn't rely on his vote. She switched her vote to Cassidy or she switched her vote from Cassidy to Sammy and Sammy ended up going completely unanimously. That and so now we actually have the context for it and Carla unknowingly foiled their plans here but it doesn't really matter because the attempt was there so everyone else that is left in camp besides Carla now their plan is to just tell Cassidy what the plan was that Carl not the part that they didn't mind splitting votes on her but that they were going to tell 
that Carla was kind of pushing for her to go here. What did you think about this moment? Because I wasn't sure what to think as we went into this episode, but it, it was it was interesting to see like this was the plan and finally get some answers about why the vote didn't turn out the way we were expecting it to. Yes, and I, I think it was really clever of Jesse and Owen to to start telling Cassidy, hey, Carla was gunning for you because in some ways, Carla didn't have to do the deed to get kind of dirt, in, like to get dirt in her hands and get her hands messy because all of a sudden the intent to vote out Cassidy was seemingly enough to create a rift or at least to attempt to create that rift. So even though Carla at the last minute changed her mind because Sammy was playing the shot in the dark, I think she still was in trouble because she admitted to them she was still going to gun for Cassidy. And I was really, one of the questions I had kind of coming into this to chat with you is when Cassidy's with Carla at the beach and she's saying, hey, what's going on? I heard you were going to vote for me. What What is the move there? Do you like what Carla did in kind of performing? Oh my goodness, how could you do this? Or do you use that moment to come clean and say, yeah, you know what? I was, and let me walk you through why, or I was lying to them. What? What is the move here? Oh, no, absolutely not. Deny, deny, deny. <laughs> like you, you did not target them. You don't know why they're saying that. I would act even a little pissed. I think put on this is where we get the title episode is that of the title of this episode was Carla saying she wants to make her own telenovela here and start bringing the waterworks in, getting really upset about the idea that people would say that she's targeting Cassidy. Like this is, and let's not also forget that Carla and Cassidy aren't just the two remaining Coco members. They're also the only two women left on the tribe. And they have had a day one bond, like literally from the first day. So I think that Carla made the right move here in denying that. And I think she should have emphasized that either the guys wanted her to split a vote on Cassidy and she didn't want to do that. or say that like someone else brought up the idea but you she shut it down immediately maybe not even say that part because then Cassie would probably be like why are you why didn't you tell me that in the moment but I will say though the part that she shouldn't have done was tell Cassidy to ask Jesse to clarify for her because at this point of the game, even though we know that Jesse and Carla have a strong bond, they bonded over have, coming from similar backgrounds. Uh, for people that know, they actually went to the same university. I don't know if it was at the same time or not, but they have a lot of like similar uh, connections to one another. And it seems like they have formed a very solid bond, even to a point where Jesse at one point trusted her over people that were in her his day one original tribe in Bessie. But at this point in the game, there's six people left. The person that wins immunity can really screw things up for if there are targets. So you really need to just grab onto any lifeline that you possibly have so that someone else will be targeted. And I don't think even if Jesse did have Carla's back, the chance is just too great that people will just be willing to throw you under the bus at this moment, if only to save their necks for another vote. And so I don't, I don't think this was the right move for Carla to at to rely on someone else's information for 
Cassidy to believe her. I think she should have just said, like, I think the guys are trying to gun for us and they're doing, like, an all-guys alliance thing. Like, that was never my intention. I was never going to do that. And I think that was the thing that really pissed Cassidy off was that she had to hear it from other people. But this is the thing. Like, obviously, if and hindsight is twenty twenty here, you know, like Carla is thinking that she has a strong relationship with Jesse and that he's going to have her back on that. And I don't know what conversations they have been having. So she can probably have some very good reasons to believe that. But I don't think that this is what... Carla should have done I think that she should have continued the denial part but just say like I think that this is what's happening and I think the guys are just trying to splinter us which is true but just not mention the part that Carla is actually targeting Cassidy or she did target Cassidy I don't think Carla at this point realizes maybe now she does but I don't think she realizes at that moment that the guys are trying to paint a target on her back and I, and this goes back to something you said at the beginning of the podcast that we're not the we're not seeing those c- connections. I wish we would have seen how close Jesse and Carla were kind of in the season because as I saw that happening when Carla said, "Oh yeah, verify with Jesse," I was sitting there going, "Whoa, wh- why is she doing this? Like, why is she sending Cassidy to Jesse to verify?" Because I I've heard that they are close kind of through exit interviews and through kind of my own reading, but the show isn't telling us that they're super close. So I was confused by that, that choice and certainly not a good, as we saw, not the best move for her to make. Yes, exactly. This was, this was not the right call for her, but I understand why she would do it because she thinks it's going to authenticate her story, but really no one has just gotten at this point that they should not trust Jesse. And this seems to be what everyone is thinking at this point. So I don't know. I don't know. It's not, not my thing it's not you know I I it's hard when we are as the viewers are saying like why is everyone trusting Jesse and it goes so poorly for everybody but that's exactly what's happening now and Jesse even says himself that you know like he is in such a good position and these are the things that are really backing it up and I to Cassidy's credit she doesn't just blindly believe Owen or Jesse, but having their stories come together and having Carla kind of depend on Jesse for like verifying that information. And like, it it just turns Cassidy completely off to any type of uh, strategic partnership with Carla at this point. And she realized that Carla has to be her next target. Do you think, Carla could have saved it by having the verification with the, as a trio, as a trio, excuse me, where you have, where you have Jesse and Carla and Cassidy, where Carla's saying, hey, let's verify together or still messy. Well, I think at that point it would be Jesse saying, yeah, it didn't happen. And then sometime later pulling Cassidy aside, like, I'm sorry, that was awkward, but like she was targeting you. Like, I don't think, I don't think having the, sometimes that immediate confrontation for people can be useful when you're calling out someone else on their lies, especially in a game like this. We've seen it happen where like having that confrontation with multiple people can expose some of the lies that are happening. But Carla isn't trying to expose Jesse. She's trying to have Jesse back her up in something and 
I don't like what else would Jesse say in that immediate confrontation, you know? Yeah, I guess you're, I guess he would probably stick to the line of no, you should, but I guess I'm wondering for me, what I might try to do maybe is you bring the three of them together. And then as you walk away with Cassidy, try to plant the seed of, of the doubt saying he's going to try to, he might pull you aside later and try to put a wedge between us. But this is very much me making this analysis on a full, on a full stomach and, you know, a good amount of sleep under my belt. Um, I'm not out there starving and, you know, tired and hungry. and, And it's a lot of things to work through. Yeah. And also because if it's multiple people coming to you, it's like you're out is essentially to turn on Carla. I can see how even if she is accepting of the idea that she could be wrong in this, it makes more sense for her game in this point to target Carla because everyone else wants to target Carla as well. Absolutely. Go with the group. Yep. It's it's the path of least resistance here. And at this point, they don't, she just doesn't have a reason to not believe Owen and Cody and Jesse. Just like it's, it, she doesn't have the tools that she needs to get both her and Carla to the next phase of the game at this point in the episode, you know, because we don't know the outcome of the immunity at this point. Yeah. And she's going to have to get rid of Carla. I, I think, I mean, I know that later on in the episode, Gabler kind of tries to plant that seed, but she is going to have to get rid of Carla eventually. And so I think that it's not that hard to get her on board at this point to say, hey, let's turn on Carla. Yeah, exactly. And like we've been saying, you know, once you've been dwindling down to so few people, it's kind of like this is, you know, betray who you need to betray to get to the end, but also you have to be thinking about your wind conditions. And I don't know exactly what the climate is on the beach right now, but I think at this point in the game, people are thinking that they can't win against Carla or that her likelihood of her winning is very high if she gets to the end, especially since she has an idol that everyone actually knows about, but she thinks only Cassidy has known about, which is part of the reason why Carla wants to vote out Cassidy. That does not work for her here. And part of the reason that does not work is because we get to the reward challenge. And which I was also very excited. I'm not used to the reward challenges. So every time they have an episode where they have a challenge within the first 10 minutes of the episode I keep thinking oh my god the immunity challenge is so early like what is happening but this was actually a reward challenge and it's obstacle courses oh no never mind this was the one where I actually really like this challenge where one player is trapped inside a giant ball and they lead blindfolded teammates through an obstacle course and then eventually solve a table maze while They are still blindfolded, and then the winners get a trip to the Survivor Sanctuary where they get, like, iced coffee, tea, and pastries. And this is where Jeff does the, like, iced coffee, (laughs) iced tea, pastries. Pastries. Don't, like, really, like, try – really extending the vowels in what the reward items are. Like, You've had me at coffee, Jeff. No need to emphasize anything like that. If I, 
I am like Cody. If I have not had coffee in however many days they've been there, I'm probably about to lose it and I need a caffeine fix. So they, so I don't think anything too specific happens within the episode itself, but I mean, within the challenge itself, but the two teams that are in this episode, there's a blue team which is Carla, Cody, and Owen with Owen strapped into the ball. And then the red team is Cassidy, Gabler, and Jesse with Cassidy being the one strapped in. And I feel like it's relatively close, but the blue team ends up winning and they're kind of ahead through the majority of the challenge. So while it was a fun challenge to see, it wasn't like it wasn't particularly exciting in the outcome. Like there was no like come from behind victory or anything like that. I think for me, the most interesting thing was just watching two very different communicators. Owen was really clear and really able to paint a picture for Carla and Jesse who are steering him and sorry, Cody and, and Owen who are steering. Oh, wait, sorry. Hold on. Owen was able to paint a very clear message for Cody and Carla that's steering him. And I felt like Cassidy was doing a really terrible job. Um, she wasn't being clear and she started to panic, which... I totally understand given the circumstances, but just it was a very stark contrast between Owen and Cassidy as communicators yeah. because one was doing a really, really strong, clear job and one was just kind of falling apart. Yeah. And I think that this, I, I will say that I think that the reason for Owen being the one to be the caller in this instance is very intentional in that if you are someone that studies the game and knows like the easiest way to lead people that are blindfolded in the most effective way. Yeah. Let's put the super fan in and let him do his thing. And I think they probably, as soon as I saw the challenge, I figured Cassidy would be strapped in no matter what team she was on just because of her size. But you know, it'll be easier to navigate her and it'll be easier, you know, like they'll be taller, like physically larger people to like push it through and everything. So I think that that was probably the reason that she was picked for it. But I feel like because of how the team dynamics were on the team that ended up winning, that um, Owen was the good choice to have in this moment. I don't know if Jesse or... um. I don't know if Jesse or Gabler would have been better at it, but I think someone like Owen comes into the season prepared for something like this. Yeah. I, I mean, I wonder the only thing that uh, like thinking about the Cassidy versus Gabler versus um, Jesse Gabler, given his experience in operating rooms, I thought could give him a bit of a leg up. I know he's not a physician, but just to be in a space where, Communication is so crucial. And the work yeah. that I do at McMaster outside of the survivor courses, I, I teach courses on, on theater as a way to enhance communication with healthcare professionals. And so this to me, like knowing a little bit about that world, communication in operating rooms is so essential. And I thought Gabler could have been a possible good choice to communicate just because he's been able to witness it and see it in his profession. Yeah, definitely. I think, and of course, like as we are going to say throughout this episode, hindsight's twenty twenty. The red team did not win this challenge, so obviously Cassidy was not 
the I won't I don't want to say the correct choice, but she was not the winning choice, I guess I will say here. Whereas, yeah, maybe Jesse or Gabler would have been a like giving them a fighting chance in here. But I don't think it was terrible. Like the They were close. Uh, they were really close. Yeah. So I, I don't think Cassidy did a bad job. She just was not as strong as Owen in this area, which is totally fine. So yes. they win reward. Uh, yes. Owen and Carla and Cody. Yes. And they get to go. Honestly, I feel like this is the reward I would be most excited for. Like, I love coffee and I love pastries. And iced tea is also lovely. So this is kind of, you know, not to be punny, but like bread and butter. Like, this is my bread and butter. This would be the type of reward that is actually worth playing for to me. I'm a little sad that we didn't get a repeat of decadence or sustenance like we had last time that we were doing this so i could ask again but like decadence all the way still hartley is there a reward that you feel like is definitely worth playing for other than like let's not let's say the car is not an option i feel like everyone wants a car i personally would love a new car but that is neither here nor there fair for me, I mean, one of my biggest vices is, and this is not, one of my biggest vices at home would not be very good for Survivor in theory, but I'm a big sour gummy candy person. And I know that, I mean, I guess it would give me some calories, uh, like, but it would just be empty calories. But I think in the same vein of the pastries, it would give me a sugar bump. Um, and I think that would be a reward worth playing for. If Jeff came out with a giant bowl of Gummy worms, oh. gummy bears, Sour Patch Kids. I think that could motivate me to play. See, I feel like that would be a really great temptation for when they do the endurance challenges. If they brought back like the food temptations to get people to step down. Uh, I wish they brought those back because those brought a lot of drama and I love every moment of it. But gummies could definitely do it. Have you seen um, Survivor Australia at all? I have not. It is okay. So it's not my favorite. Like it's Survivor South Africa is better, but I it's not my favorite of the franchises. It just doesn't really bring what I look for in a season as much as U.S. Survivor and South African Survivor does. That being said, they usually have pretty good cast, and like it's like they've had good seasons. So it's not it's not a dunk on Survivor South Africa. I mean, it's not a dunk on Survivor Australia. It's just not exactly what I look for in a season. But they have done temptations in the past where it's literally like just this giant jar of gummy candy and a bunch of different types of candy, but they call them lollies. But they look so good. Like I'm, I'm dropping. I'm dropping for that. I've never seen. And they've done it. Not just in. They've done it in like the endurance ones where you get it if you drop. But they've also done them as like secret rewards that you can choose. Like uh, you can choose like firewood for your tribe. Or you can choose lollies for like for yourself or something so it's like picking a personal thing or a tribe thing and it has had some very interesting but like very exciting results in there so i highly recommend getting a look at that okay i will right, maybe the, over the break i'll take a look and it's funny because even in watching season one um we watched it as part of the course because we look at you know we go back to the origin season one with rich and rudy and kelly on the hands on a hard idol 
And Jeff comes out to tempt them with orange slices. And it just, it's so funny to think about what was temptation back in season one and how current day Survivor, there's no way orange slices would really get anybody to drop out of a challenge. I know. Like, remember, and since you've, you're teaching Marquesas, or at least little bits of Marquesas as well, where like the reward was literally a snicker bar, like just a giant oh, snicker yes. bar. It was like, <laughs> Would I throw down for a Snickers bar? Very likely. But, like, considering the rewards that we get now, like, Jeff, please stop playing. Absolutely. And they're enjoying their reward about as much as I think I would. They get a little bit of a caffeine high, particularly Cody. But, honestly, what can I expect from that? Um, And Owen does also say, I think on Twitter, he talked about how he could not sleep that that night because of just how much they were consuming also very fair and the main story during the reward really is that other than enjoying the reward Carla is recognizing that she is a threat and she needs to find a way to minimize that so one of the ways she does is that she brings back her telenovela skills and she wants Cody and Owen to believe that she doesn't have an idol and that she's very frustrated that this is the narrative that has been passed along to her. And while Owen and Cody do buy it, they do buy that Carla doesn't have an idol. They still want to take out Cassidy or Carla and just go along with the boy. So it might achieve her goal of minimizing her threat level but it doesn't minimize her goal of making herself not a target yeah and that that was i think one of the first miss big missteps i think carla's made in the game i I think she really misread the situation because the idol makes her a bigger threat but the fact that she is who she is is a threat in and of itself um, just her social game and her her ability to make connections and build relationships with people, whether or not you have an idol is going to make you a target going into the finals. So for her to reduce her threat in one area was, I guess, in theory valuable. But I think you're right. She didn't get the target off her back. And I, I wonder if that was the right move to even try to eliminate the threat level or rather try to bring them over and try to get them on board with getting rid of Gabler or Jesse or even Cassidy. Yeah, I, this was definitely, again, in hindsight, not the best move for Carla, but I think she is really banking on the relationships that she has already formed and trying to form stronger ones with Owen and Cody here, but definitely not the right move for Carla. And again, like what you're saying, I think we've moved past this idea that getting a lot of advantages or getting a lot of idols is going to guarantee you a win it can certainly help to secure a win that way but it does not it's like something to add to like your list of reasons for why you think you should win I'm not I don't want to save survivor resume because I want that lingo to be out of rotation but so that might add to Carla's winning conditions. Like I also found some, I, I found an idol and, or not even like she found the idol, but she also had to work for that idol and she won some immunities, but that's not going to get anyone the win. Like winning immunities is only going to get you so far. You have to get people to vote for you to win. And I think Carla does have what it takes to secure votes here. And I think that's something that Cody and Owen are very aware of so maybe 
yeah, the chance was trying to put a target, maybe not take a target off of her, but put the target on someone else that they aren't thinking about for who could actually really win this game. Someone like Gabler would be really good here because I don't think Cody was really willing to get rid of Jesse at this point. So you got to find like some common ground here with people and find a way to get to the end together. And I think that she needed to just emphasize that a little more, but, and I got to say the foreshadowing in this episode is incredible because Cody, who kind of got a little bit of a silent edit in like the first 10 minutes of this episode, the first time we really hear from him is during the reward. And he says money can make you do crazy things and how the numbers were dwindling down. And I just, my notes are literally just me be like, Oh my God. Like they were telling us what was happening within like the first five minutes. Like this is wild, but yes, Cody is aware this is the foreshadowing here is so good. I'm obsessed with this. Like the editing on this episode, it might be my favorite for the whole season. It was a really strong storytelling arc. And because you could, you were able to see, I, I watched the episode twice and in the second time watching it, you were really able to see the rise and fall of Cody in the single episode. Um, and, you know, as you were saying, you know, Carla could have found someone else to be the target. And that's exactly what Gabler's doing. Like, I thought that was a nice kind of, uh, kind of mirroring of you've got Carla who's trying to reduce her threat level and you've got Gabler back at camp who's trying to create targets um, and yeah. not reduce his threat level kind of, and in doing so reducing his threat level by just saying like, Hey, Jesse, Hey Cassidy, you got to think about who you can target right now. Yeah. I, I will say, so when I was doing my roundup with Christine this week, we usually have, we pick three players besides the person that was eliminated to be the, like the top three players of the episode. And I struggled with it a little bit here and it gets to that point when we dwindle down to so many people because everyone usually gets a fair amount of screen time, but I ended up putting Gabler in one of the top three player spots, not because of anything particular that he did this episode, because I think the real focus here was on Cody, Jesse, and Carla, and everything they did right and very wrong, but also that I feel like Gabler is getting a very interesting edit as we are heading into the finale. And I wanted to highlight that. And I want to highlight it again now because back at camp, Gabler is starting to make some plans. He wants to make a final three with Cassidy and Jesse. He wants to make a plan to take out Carla and Cody, who are the two known uh, idol holders here. But also... He lets us know, the audience, that he thinks people don't know the kind of game that he's playing, which I would say is a very fair assessment, and that he is a player that is hiding in plain sight, and he has this really interesting line that I like, and this is paraphrasing. I don't know if this is directly what he said, but the best assassin doesn't storm in the castle to kill the king and says, I'm going to kill the king. He sneaks into the kitchen, poisons him, and then leaves, and I'm not saying this means Gabler wins. But I'm saying this is definitely something that they would give to the winner if they have, you know, 
at this point in the game. So I found this very interesting. And if some of my, if my prediction on the final three is correct, I would not be shocked if we end up getting a Gabler win here. I will not lie. This is, this is the Sandra in season seven, dropping the fish and casting Blaine elsewhere. I think you're absolutely right there. There, I, I could see a Gabler win. And we'll probably talk more about this uh, at the end of the pod, but Maybe, maybe we'll save it for the end. Um, yeah. But I definitely could see a Gabler win based on the narrative that they're telling us. Yeah. And I will say, I do think everyone that's left is playing a game where they can make their case to win. Definitely. Yes. And we don't know really where, depending on who is in the finale, we don't know who's winning. We don't know where the jury really is at this point. You know, like we don't actually know what the jury is thinking or who they're rooting for here at this moment in the game. We could see that they were very impressed with Jesse this episode, which I think will raise a couple of red flags. But the issue isn't, you know, who has the best case to win or who is the most likely to win. The real important thing to me is, based on the edit we're getting, is who is able to articulate the case that they are making the best. And I think that is something that Marianne did leagues above, not just the final three, but everybody that was in the finale episode as well. Once Omer was gone, I think the doors really opened for Marianne here, but not just because she made the move to take out Omer, but because... She has this gift of making her case and explaining complex concepts in Survivor in very simplistic terms. So even if you aren't, you know, like I ramble, I'm a rambler. I know it's not my forte. I do not summarize things very well. That's part of the reason I have a podcast and we're about to go over an hour. But Marianne just has a gift for making her case here and that was once you rewatch the season and look at some of those nuggets of wisdom we get from her throughout the season, it it becomes more clear why she won. Not just because she made a correct move at the correct time, but because she was able to make her case the best out of the final three. And I think that that is often an undersold gift when you are picking people that you want to go to the finale with. Absolutely, because that's that's the essential skill is convincing that jury, persuading them to give you that money. And part of that is how can you tell a story that because the story is going to connect with their emotions in a way that just giving them straight facts might not. So that that is something that we've seen with Gabler. He's able to tell a story. And I think with all of the final five, we've been able to see them. Cassidy is probably the least of the five, but Carla and Jesse and Owen and Gabler have all been able to really paint very vivid pictures for us in the way they narrate what's going on in the show. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see this final tribal council. I'm actually getting very excited to see how it turns out, but I just wanted to highlight that for a moment before we get into the immunity challenge. But after we get that moment from Gabler, which I've still, you know, quote me on this like I found it I find it very interesting that this was the viewpoint that we were focusing on in this point in the episode once 
the reward winners get back to camp, Cody or Gabler tells Cody about Carla's idol and Cassidy confirms about it. So now Cody is also in on the plan to get Carla out. But basically just just lets us know that the current plan is the guys are going to come together and take out Carla or Cassidy. And then whoever is left will be the person to go in final five, which Oh my God. I am. <laughs> I understand. I will say, I understand. I get why they want to do this. And I think Jesse in particular is doing a really good job at before the end of this episode in hiding just how big of a threat he is, but also what the hell? Like I am just so annoyed. Like the plan right now is basically to just take out the last two women and battle it out amongst the dudes. And I will say I don't think this is in the best interest of everybody left, but that is the plan we are told once we get into the immunity challenge, um, which is obstacle course, picking up number tiles, open combination to access the key, go across a net and up a cargo mesh to solve a puzzle. And it's the fish puzzle, the little like standing fish. Pu- I love this puzzle. It is so f- it, I'm sure I would hate it in real life if I was in a game for a million dollars, but it's just so nice to see. Yeah, it was a cool because it was um the fish the hanging fish but now in a form of a bat. So it was a cool a cool kind of twist. I think I I would hate this puzzle. I would be terrible at it. I I don't have that kind of spatial awareness to kind of think about how do things put together. I think I have enough trouble with a puzzle on a table. A hanging puzzle would do me in. Yeah, if the what was it? Um, yeah, imagine being the super fan practicing the fish puzzle because they sell like the little model ones and then you get to survivor 43 set and they're like we've changed it to a batch now so haha to all you super fans it's just like giving all the super fans the middle finger at this point yeah and just kind of go off on a side tangent because this was the first year we were able to offer the survivor course in person we bought a bunch of survivor replica puzzles and got a chance to run a bunch of them in the class with the students which was a lot of fun uh leading to truly a very a very classic survivor moment where we were doing the snake puzzle where you got to build the the snake with the different pieces and one of the students accidentally knocked a piece off the table and and it was just it was they couldn't figure out why it wasn't working why it wasn't working then finally someone noticed it on the floor Uh, And it felt very much like this is what happens on the show where one small piece goes rogue and that'll mess up an entire team. Yep. Exactly. I'm so happy that happens in real life. Obviously, it's much harder when you're doing it on TV, but things happen. I mean, we I lose puzzle pieces all the time. I try not to. I'm like very conscious about it now, but oh, it is hard to keep track of everything. So now, do you think, do you think the bat, the evolution to the bat, do you think that was to outsmart any super fans? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I think a part of it, like some challenges get old. I already, you know, I already hate obstacle course puzzle. Like it gets old. Do it, do it once or twice a season, please. And then do something else, like literally anything else. But what do you think of this idea? This came up in, in our course about having the players pick the order they go in do puzzle then obstacle course or obstacle course then puzzle um, and let them pick how they want to run the challenge. I think either would, I don't think you should be able to pick, 
But they have done in another Australian Survivor throwback is that in the Brains versus Bronze season that they did, one of the challenges they started with the puzzle and the rest was the obstacle course, which is usually like the reverse of what they normally do. And Australian Survivor is a very like physicality heavy series. But I found it very interesting. And I actually really liked the format of doing puzzle first and then obstacle course. So I would not mind them doing that at that point. And I think there are some things that you are just going to have an advantage of over other people. But this was like a complicated knot puzzle if I was, if I'm not mistaken. So the teams had to really be focused in on teamwork. And I, it was really good. It was really interesting to see. So um, I really enjoyed it. And I really I really liked that format. I just think they need to do something different because it just got – and we've gotten some of our throwback challenges. Like last episode, we had the Sophie Clark Memorial Challenge. We've had Last Gasp. Like these are really good episodes to have, and I just wish we got a little bit more of it. And I'm hoping the return of challenges like Last Gasp are signs that they'll change it up a little bit. Going back to some classic challenges that we haven't seen in a while. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Honestly, like even in the pre-merge, like bring back matching game, bring back like the I love the story time ones where they tell the story and you have to go. The last time we saw that was in Cambodia. That was a really fun throwback to bring. Um like there's a, there's so many of them that I would just love to see back the target practice one where you have like the darts or the slingshots or the spears like those are really fun as well there's just so many that i would love to see them bring back and i just obviously i'm not a set designer but i feel like some of them can be relatively simple like they don't all have to be particularly flashy so i would just love to see that personally but that is neither here nor there but we're talking about this immunity challenge where it was a lot honestly and like it is no secret that I don't always pay attention to the immunity challenges. The thing that stuck out to me was that it's a lot of back and forth. Owen forgets his keys at one point, which is like same Owen, same. I also forget my keys at inopportune times. Um, And then we get to the puzzle, which is where the drama starts heating up. Partially because Carla's hand is shaking and cramping up and she's, it's something that you've already talked about Hartley with like people depleting this point in the season and that so and she's talking through the puzzle and explaining kind of like why she's struggling and then it becomes really close between Cassidy and Cody with Cassidy finishing but then the puzzle is wrong she's got to switch things up and then it becomes a very close race between Carla Cassidy and Cody and we get to the end. Cassidy wins immunity. Just narrowly beating out Cody. Like one puzzle piece away. Literally. I was having flashbacks. I know it's kind of jumping ahead an episode. But this to me was very much like season 42 with Mike and Lindsay. Where oh, yeah. Mike gets the last puzzle piece in just before Lindsay. And then Lindsay goes home. Here, kind of the echoing of that. Where it's Cody versus uh, Cassidy, Cassidy just gets that puzzle piece in and then Cody goes home. I I mean, I was on the edge of my seat. Um, and even when I was doing the rewatch, I was thinking, you know, foolishly, could Cody pull this out? Uh, knowing that Cassidy had already won. Yeah. Uh, but it was really, for me, 
both the two moments that you mentioned, Owen forgetting his key and Carla, her kind of falling apart physically, I think really speaks to the impact of the game on a small level, like something as simple as don't forget your key, Owen. Um, mm -hmm. But, and I, I wonder, you know, maybe on a, on a full stomach and a good night's rest, he wouldn't have made a, a mistake like that. Um, but in the game, when you're 24 days in, that it, like it's, it can be so hard to remember the simple tasks. Yeah. And like, I'm forgetful. I forget things all the time, including my keys and I have to go back in and it's very, it's like the little walk of shame that you have to go back because you into your house because you forgot something. And it's like, you know, you felt like so ready to go in the morning. So that was very sad. I relate to it. Owen, it is not just you, but Owen's also starving. So he has an excuse, whereas I am just forgetful and that is never going to change. And uh, yeah, I would not do well on this challenge. Maybe the puzzle part, maybe, but also like a very strong maybe. But and it's the same maybe for all puzzles. Like this is very unlikely that I would be the winner of the challenge. But there is something particularly heartbreaking about knowing that the person goes home with second in the immunity challenge by seconds. And like, you like had the outcome just been slightly different. We're looking at a completely different season, a completely different outcome of this episode. And Cody goes through it after this, you know, like did that not specifically with Cody at this point, but you know, we, he goes from just barely missing the immunity win to, not making himself a target, but getting to a point where it becomes clear that he needs to go at some point. And, oh, it's a lot. This is a very, it's very Cody heavy in the second half of this episode or the second part of this after they get back to tribal council. I mean, get back from the immunity challenge. And Cody has a plan, which I actually think is a pretty good plan. So Cody tells Carla that he has his idol and Cody tells Carla that what if we both want to go to final four together we both say that we are going to play our idols this tribal council use it as leverage and keep in mind that they are not aware that Jesse has the idol and I think that this is kind of proves that Cody does not know about Jesse's idol as well I think we're kind of like get that point here but Indeed. Um, yeah, so Cody says, what if we say we're going to play our idols, don't play them, and then we basically use that as leverage to get people to vote how we want to, and then next round, we play our idols at final five, we'll be in the final four together, we have an alliance going into the final three. So that's not a bad plan, and Carla eats it up. Very well. She's very excited about the idea of using her idol for leverage, being able to play. Obviously, the ideal for an idol holder is that you don't have to use it until you get to final five. So this is a very easy plan to eat up because it seems like very equal level opportunity for them. Like we both play our idols. We both save them for final five. And then we both – it's not like a give or take situation. It's like we both get – the same thing out of it, which is a spot in the final four. But Cody's actual plan here is to secure the fact that Carla is not going to be playing her, or Carla does not play her idol here. 
And everyone else that is left is going to vote out Carla. Also, a very good plan for if the goal is to get Carla out, this is the way that you do it. So that is the plan that Cody has currently. What were you going to say? I was going to say, do you think there's any, you've got to trust that Carla's going to respect the game because that's a very bold move to make this plan with Carla and then send Carla to the jury if that had gone down. And then if Cody makes the finals, she, you've got to hope that she's a forgiving player. I I have not, from what we have seen so far, I don't have a reason to feel like Carla, obviously Carla would be upset in the moment, but we just haven't seen anything from her to indicate that she wouldn't respect this move after the initial sadness and anger come out. Just like, that will probably be Cody's reaction at from his eventual blindside here. I, I do think that, of the people that I think would possibly be bitter jurors here, I don't think Carla is one of them unless there was like an element of a personal attack on her. But I, this just seems like a game move from Cody's point. And I can, and obviously we have, we don't see everything that Carla is thinking here, but I'm sure she had, did consider what if Cody's lying to me here too. Like it makes sense for them to save their idols for final five if they don't need to, but I just don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too highly about it. And like the, it's really hard when you just miss the finale. Like the people from like final six, five and four are going to be doing, but I can definitely see Carla like respecting the move to take her out here, especially like for the person that is in charge of it. In this case, it would be Cody. But that's kind of where the problem stems from here because Jesse realizes that if this plan goes off, that it's going to be Cody's move. Cody is going to be the person that is getting credit for this. And while Cody seems to be very loyal and wants to go to the end with Jesse, he doesn't know about his winning chances if he goes to the end with Cody, especially if he makes like, let's remember this is this point last season. And while they did not see the outcome of last season at the time of this episode, the final six right before the finale, that's the past few, the past few seasons. This is where big moves have been defined. Like this is kind of like an indication of where people's winning chances are. Like it happened with uh, Erica convincing uh, everyone to vote out Danny over Deshaun because Deshaun was a better ally for her specifically. We got it last season with Marianne doing the three, two, one with Omer. And we have it now here. Not, you know, I, I am worried for Jesse in this next episode, I will say, but like, this is kind of the time to make a move here. And I, I think that this was a really good opportunity here for Jesse. And so there is a world where this could work, but it's just too, it's too good a chance to pass up. And I think Jesse is right to be thinking about his winning conditions here and how likely he is to win against Cody. Cause it's so hard when you are in a dynamic duo like that to think who, okay. Who's who in this situation? Who is going to be the person? There has to be one winner. So who out of the duo is going to be the person that gets the credit? And a move like this could really push that leverage in Cody's favor. 
And when when you look at Jesse's perspective, Cody has an idol. If Cody doesn't play the idol at six, he's got it in final five, which means he's guaranteed final four. And yeah. then fire is in Cody's wheelhouse. So yeah. this this was Jesse's moment, I think, to to clip him right here. Yeah, and so because of I, I think. Jesse has an idol, so he's going to be going into Final Four. or fin- Yeah, Final Four. I think that we can almost guarantee that he will not be going out in Final Five at this point, unless he gives his idol to someone else, but I really don't think that's going to happen, given what has happened here. But Jesse, so Jesse recognizes this and recognizes that this is an issue for him, but Cody trusts Jesse so much that Jesse still has Cody's idol How? in his possession. I thought, so this has been a question that we have still, we have been asking for a while now because when, I, this is something that other podcast guests have asked too, because I was like, well, I assume he gave it back at some point. Like, I didn't think that, you know, it just seems like an obvious thing after that tribal council that Jesse would give Cody his idol back. But then, and then, but then they didn't mention it. But then once James is voted out, James being someone with knowledge is power. Once James is voted out, you would think, okay, Cody must have asked for his idol back because the person that they know had knowledge is power because he found the advantage in front of so many people is gone. That like, okay, now there's no reason for you to not have your idol because knowledge is power is gone. But, and this is something we learned from exit interview. Somehow Jesse convinced Cody that Carla might have knowledge is power. And this is why Jesse gave, or why Cody gave Jesse his idol for safekeeping. But Jesse is using this to his advantage because he has Cody's idol in this possession. And while I say it's Cody's idol, because Cody is the one that gained this idol, in the rules of Survivor, if you give your idol to someone else, that is that person's idol. So really, this is Jesse's second idol. and But Cody was the one that gave it to him under the conditions that if Cody feels like he needs it, he has to give it back. Like, give it back to him. Jesse is under no... And I've seen people ask if, like, this is allowed. It's absolutely allowed because this is no longer Cody's idol. This is Jesse's idol. Absolutely. And... Cody, or not Cody, Jesse lets Cassidy, Owen, and Gabler know that, uh, who was it? That just Cody's idol is in Jesse's possession. And everyone, of course, their eyes light up as soon as he says this because they're like, this is the time. We could take him out here. So the script flips from voting out Carla to voting out Cody here. And... Uh, I, I I don't even know where to go from here at this point. So we get this montage of like Jesse, the same one where I was like, uh, this is where I knew Cody was going home because Jesse had his usual confessional about how hard it's going to be for him to vote out someone. Like if Jesse is struggling to vote you out, I can guarantee you're going home. Like that is what I have learned from this season. It's like, <laughs> this is not, this is not an if it was now I am like 20 minutes left in the episode. I'm like, now I have confirmed that Cody is going home here because Jesse is talking about how hard this would be for him. And that is the plan. Now going in new plan blindside Cody, Cody doesn't have his idol, so he can't play it. 
But also, they want to spook Carla into flushing out her idol so she won't play it at final five. And that is a really big key piece of information here. So that's the other part of this plan moving forward. But then there's even more trauma into the this part because then at some point cody asks for his idol back to show carla so that carla can trust him and jesse feels like he has to give the idol back because otherwise cody is going to be like what's up why are you not giving me my idol back even though he doesn't have to he could really just be like uh yeah tough shit it's my idol now but you know and like maybe like maybe shouldn't have given it to me like he it he doesn't have to give it to him here, but he does because otherwise Cody's going to know that something's up. And Cody, so Cody asks for his idol back and we have no idea if he gets it back at this point, if Jesse gets the idol back, but this could really throw a spanner in the works because if they vote out, uh, if they vote for Cody here and he plays his idol, like they can't both spook Carla into playing her idol and have Cody keep, his idol like leave with the idol in his pocket like that can't happen because then cody's going to play his idol spook one spook both absolutely yeah yep so it's just a big domino effect of what's going to happen and i feel like i did a really shitty job explaining that but that is what happened here and then we get into tribal council but that's like our big cliffhanger at this point and while some of us are probably like cody's going home here just because we saw jesse Talk about how sad it would be if Cody left. This is a good tribal council. I enjoyed it. It was, I really liked it. And because, and I think I'm I'm hearing echoes from, from the know-it-alls from Rob as a podcast, but one of the things that they mentioned that I think is really, I, I didn't see it until I rewatched it, but Jeff was asking really pointed questions. It was, it was really, it was really him trying to get at what are the dynamics? What is the relationships? How do you trust each other versus the kind of survivor analogies uh, that Jeff is, is often kind of doing this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It was very interesting to see, but then we don't have the, all the answers until after the votes are cast, because I think the, the big question going in is, well, whose people are going to vote for, but then also who has what trinkets, essentially. So you, we you finally, were convinced that Cody did 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 not have his idol. You thought for sure Cody was going home. Or were you were you thinking Cody could go home with an idol in his pocket? I no, I thought that so if they they either were going to not play any idols and Cody would go home with an idol in his pocket, or they were going to spook Carla which would have meant that at some point Cody gave Jesse his idol back. So, because they can't do both. They can't have spook Carla into playing her idol, but then also scare and also expect Cody to not play his idol because in yeah. Cody's mind, the vote is going on to Carla. Carla. Yeah. And I guess the best, the best chance would be Cody assuming that it was unanimous vote for Carla and, that Owen would go home in that situation because Carla would have voted for Owen. But I just feel like at final six, that is a very, like, there's only five other people there. One of them is immune. So that leaves 
if Carla plays her idol, like that's four people left. Like I feel like that chance is too great for you to not play it here. But so we get to the votes and this is where things get very interesting. So the first, they have their usual, if anyone has an advantage or an idol, like now's time to play it. Jesse plays an idol for Owen. And this leads to, you know, we get the long pause. And so we're just like, what's going to happen here? What's happening? And then Carla plays her idol as well. So part one of the plan is correct. Uh, That is successful that Carla plays her idol here because Carla ends up being the one vote for Owen that we see. And we just, before the votes are even read, we see this devastated look at Cody's face and he looks right at Jesse. One, because... Jesse, Cody doesn't know about Jesse's other idol. And at this point, it doesn't really matter which one was played, but Jesse knows, or Cody knows that Jesse played the idol Cody found on Owen. So this is when it registers to the audience. No flashbacks there, anything like that. But this is when it registers to the audience that Cody does not have his idol because when they ask for if anyone else wants to play anything, he just looks at Jesse so dumbfounded. Like, I can't believe this is happening to me. Like, is this seriously what is going on? We know that Cody does not have his idol because I feel like he would have played it if Owen and Carla were both immune. Like, there's very little options after that. Absolutely. Eh, yeah. No, no. No, you, you go, you go. No, I was going to say, like, and – I think the we could see the 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 real fall just going from Probst asking Cody, how good do you feel about tonight's vote? And Cody going, I'm I'm a niner, I'm a nine point five. Like just he was so confident moment before moments before, which makes the fall that much harder. And it, again, it makes me think back to season 42 uh, about Omer talking about being survivor confident. And when you're survivor confident, it gets you into trouble. And that is exactly what I think happens here is that Cody gets survivor confident and it makes that crash so much more. I think that if Cody had been a bit more, um, humble is the wrong word, but aware that there's a possibility that things aren't going to go to plan, I think the, the hit wouldn't have been as hard. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that was really well said. And the uh, this isn't even the most devastating part, but this is where we know from the clues that, like, this is what has transpired. And then the votes are read. And there's one vote for Owen, which is canceled out. One vote for Carla that is canceled out. And four votes for Cody. Cody is voted out here. Cody is in shock. And then we get this very long pause, like uncomfortable pause where Jesse stands up to, he apologizes and he offers his hand to like shake Cody's hand as a sign of respect. And Cody thinks about it, isn't really, doesn't, you can tell he doesn't want to, but he does it reluctantly. There is a, I think Cody was a good sport in the moment. His final words were very funny. And, uh, <laughs> I, I I just wish more people would flip off the camera. Like, come on, you're no, you just lost a million dollars. Like, please, like, 
There is no reason for decorum here. If you want to say fuck you, Jesse, we should be allowed to do that because Coat. Cody was screwed over. It was his own fault because he should have been holding on to that idol for his dear life and not trust Jesse. But he was mad. And I can totally understand why he was mad. But in true Cody fashion, he is also very appreciative of the times that he has had. Like he of like this whole survivor experience. Yeah, I think he he was like he went out very in a very kind of classy way in the sense that he recognizes that it's a game, but also was playing with full investment and was really upset and devastated that he he got a loss. He got voted out. Not just that he got lost, that he lost. He lost in quite possibly the most devastating way being that his closest ally played his idol and screwed him over as well. Like it's, there's a whole lot of complicated reasons why this is like a very devastating boot but it's also so good. Like, this is just, this is great. This is great television. I, I'm i very interested to talk about this season as a whole because I'd love to, once everything is done, I feel like I had very clear ideas about what was my favorite episode in 42. But this one, I was like, I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed it, but I... I feel like there are a couple really noteworthy episodes here that kind of stand apart from the rest of the season, whereas I think 42 was more consistent. And I, I'm very excited about it. I'm like very excited to see how we end the season and where we go from this point. So going into the finale, who, where, where do you think it's – how do you think the chips are going to fall? Uh, so I unfortunately think that we are losing Carla and Jesse next. Probably Carla going next and Jesse going at final four fire making. How that turns out, I am not sure, but I I feel like we are that is likely what we are going to be seeing. I can't imagine after that move that people are not going to want to get rid of Jesse. I don't think anyone is going to want to sit in the finale with him. Now from the final three. This is a very interesting final three because I don't think any one has a lead over the others uh, currently. Like from what we have seen, I don't feel like Cassidy, Gabler, or Owen have necessarily been the stars of the season. Like if they go to the end, they are guaranteed to win in the same way that I think that that has been true for Carla and Jesse, the other two finalists. And if that is the final three that we get i i see a lot of cassidy truthers online right like i have seen a lot of them and i can definitely see how she can win and i think there are a lot of super fans that want to see fellow super fan owen win as well and i think that that is also something to really keep in mind and i would be very happy with cassidy or owen winning that being said i can't get gabler's edit this episode out of my mind i really can't I think that there is a reason for it. He could be a zero vote finalist and they just thought that, that was a really good line. I think Gabler has had a lot of really good lines um, throughout this season. So this isn't necessarily out of character for him, but I just can't get out of my head about the edit that we have gotten from him this episode. So I, I think they might be indicating that we're getting a Gabler win here. And I don't, that's kind of my hot take for right now is that, I think that might be how I would be happy with 
anyone in the final three or anyone in this final five winning. But I just feel like Jesse and Carla win are too obvious right now. And I'm trying to make sense of how the final three will turn out. And I just feel like this past episode, Cassidy and Owen did not get as strong an edit as Gabler, if that is the final three that we are getting. Yeah, I totally see that going down. I think for sure, I, I see it happening possibly the other way. I see it happening, uh, Jesse going out at five and then Carla losing fire, potentially. Jesse has an idol. I he know, I know. Idol. But a part of me is wondering if he's going to do the Marianne thing and and do, like, I know he hasn't seen that season, so I, he wouldn't necessarily be replicating. But a part of me wonders if he if feels really good, he's able to say, I had the idol the whole time. I didn't even have to play it. And here it is. That's how good my game Ooh. is. Um, I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. And now that we talk it through, um, and I guess, as it, I was thinking, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it could be possible though, that he plays it on someone else that he wants to get to the end to kind of like secure that final four, like allegiance with them. Cause it's good to have someone that would take you to the final three if possible, but not necessarily. I don't know. Okay, yeah, but continue your thought. Well, the other thing I was thinking, and what really turned it for me was the jury's reaction to Jesse getting rid of Cody. Because I think, had I not seen the jury at all, I I guess a hot take, because I know you like to do the hot takes. One of my hot takes was that Jesse is a losing finalist. Um, because I, really? I, just, I worry that we have seen him, but I don't know if the players have seen him. Um, and I just, I, I think that his game is much more subtle and Cody has been the show person for it. And I wonder that if that mo- that move to get rid of Cody is a big pop in the moment, but then he's not able to sell himself to the final jury, especially if he's up against Carla. Cause in my head, I could see Carla pulling the votes from him and it being very close being a Carla, Jesse, maybe any of the other three, Owen, Cassidy, or Gabler in the in the third spot, and maybe mm-hmm. it being a one-vote difference between the two. But I see a world where Carla takes it and Jesse is a losing finalist. Ooh, I love that outcome. I like that better than what I think is actually going to happen. So let's let's think about oh, I do like that. That is definitely also a possibility. And that would be great. That would be great. I'm very excited to see how this episode goes and the next time on segment was the is the finale so there really isn't like a point there but I'm very excited to I and we both talked about our hot takes a little bit already so I think like kind of the end of the episode the end of our penultimate recap of Survivor 43 there's just one more episode left oh my god I am so excited the premiere is the finale is in like is in two days almost not I'm, even two days because uh because it's almost tuesday <laughs> i'm super pumped i because like you said at some point tonight that there is a compelling case for all five of them it's been yeah. it's been it's been really fun to see that there isn't there isn't anyone like a heather from 41 where you're going okay heather is not winning this season yeah. um where these five any one of them could take home the the title and it would make sense 
Yes, I agree. And I'm very excited. Hartley, thank you so much for joining me for another penultimate episode of Survivor. I love the word penultimate. I feel like I said that in 42 as well, but like it's very true. And I'm very happy that we get to do this again. I will definitely be asking you back for the penultimate episode of Survivor 44 as well. So make sure to clear your calendar for that week. But where can people follow you? And is there anything that you would like to promote as well? Well, you can follow me. I'm at Hartley Jaffeen um, on Twitter and on Instagram. And if anyone wants to reach out to chat, please fire a message my way. Hartley's great with chatting. I can confirm. We talked about his course curriculum like many occasions. So it is he is a great person to chat Survivor with. Can confirm. Thank you, Gia. Of course. And as always, you can follow me at Twitter at Classically Gia for all of my reality TV shenanigans. You can also be, this is a Survivor podcast. If you are not following the Survivor Diversity campaign on Twitter, what are you doing? It is at Serve Diversity, at S-U-R-V Diversity. Here on Silent Podcast, yes, I am doing I Don't Know About That, but I'm also about to record the finale episode of Sister Act, the Claim to Fame recap podcast with my sister, Ariana. It has been so much fun. Ari has not been spoiled on this entire season and I have seen the entire thing but we are about to record the finale episode which means we can talk about everything as a whole and I am so excited to get there so please give that a listen give it a shout out and let's cross our fingers for claim to fame season two and finally on not finally what am I talking about on inside survivor I do my weekly roundups with my good friend Christine Pallon That is about to come to a conclusion for Survivor 43 as well. So keep an eye out for that. And we have 43 coming, or we have the penultimate roundup happening on 43 coming out soon as well. And finally, on post-show recaps, I am recapping Abbott Elementary with Chappelle. We just talked about the mid-season finale. The episode is out. Go give it a listen. Give us five stars. Talk about how much you love Abbott Elementary and how funny and witty Chappelle and I are. Um, If you don't agree with that, then just don't rate it. But, like, you should. You should. Um, Only give us five stars, though, please. And thank you all once again for listening to us for I Don't Know About That. And stay tuned because we have a very exciting finale to talk about. And I'm very excited to have our guests for this next episode so stay tuned and enjoy finale night pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.